Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Stay tuned. In my blog post, Why You May Need a Manual Vendor Process with Your Vendor Portal, published Thursday, January 3rd, 2019 at DebraRRichardson.com, I talked about why a manual vendor process may be required even if your vendor setup and maintenance process is fully automated. Purchasing cards, however, may be an alternative to that process. On today's podcast, I will be joined by Lynn Larson, who will tell us all about P-Cards and how they and other commercial cards can help protect the vendor master file from fraud. Welcome to episode 12. What role can P cards play to avoid fraud in your vendor master file? And today I am here with Lynn Larson, who has more than 15 years of purchasing card experience. A certified purchasing card professional since 2007, her previous job roles include education manager for the NAPCP, a professional association for the commercial card and payments industry, and P-Card Program Manager for the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis. In January 2014, she founded Recharged Education LLC, which focuses on commercial card training, consulting, and educational resources. Lynn is here today to talk about how a P-Card can decrease fraud in the vendor master file. Welcome, Lynn. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you for having me today. Oh, no problem. And thank you for being here. So let's go ahead and get started with the first question, because I'm very interested in talking with someone that has a lot of knowledge in this field. So how did you get into the purchasing card field? Well, I was already in the procurement field when I interviewed and was hired for a role at the Federal Reserve Bank. It was within their purchasing department, and it included P-Card program management. At the time, my knowledge of purchasing cards, or P-cards as they're known, was quite limited, but I quickly got passionate about it, grew excited about this payment method, and was eager to improve and expand on the program. Can you explain to us what is a P-card? Well, we'll see if I can keep this short. Um, So a P-card or a purchasing card. Um, They might also be known as procurement cards or pro cards. Um, They're a type of commercial card. And to back up a little bit, commercial card would be the umbrella term for various types of card solutions used for business-to-business or B2B purchases. The most well-known type, I would say, is uh, commercial or, excuse me, corporate travel cards that employees use for their business travel expenses. And given the success of those solutions, P-cards were introduced, and this is decades ago now, to help end user organizations, which could be companies of all sizes, government agencies, higher education institutions, nonprofits, 
Um, these are end user organizations. Um, they were introduced to help streamline the purchase to pay or P to P process for goods and services, especially low value purchases, but P cards can truly be used for any dollar amount of a purchase. Every organization just has to determine its strategy. So let's switch to my favorite topic, cybersecurity and protecting the vendor master file from fraud. So one way to ensure you are not putting fraudulent vendors in the vendor master file is to avoid adding them all together. In most cases, such as with a PO vendor, they do need to be in the master file, but are P cards a legitimate alternative to setting up vendors in the vendor master file? Well, in a nutshell, absolutely. But let me go back and just elaborate a little bit more on how P cards work. And then we'll circle back to your question also related to purchase orders. So when you think about a P card, you're issuing those to employees so they can buy what they need directly from vendors. That eliminates the need to push everything through the procurement department for a purchase order or PO as they're known. However, in some cases, an organization might still issue a PO to a vendor and then pay with a P card or even some other type of commercial card. So whether the organization thinks it needs to set that vendor up in its master vendor file might be a philosophical question for that organization to explore, but when payment occurs on a card, theoretically, they shouldn't have to set up that vendor. You know, and again, I think what's interesting is sometimes people will say, well, is this a P card vendor or a PO vendor? But truly, you know, a PO is a set of terms and conditions surrounding a purchase. A P card is a payment method. So it's a little bit odd to compare PO vendors and P card vendors when you're kind of talking about two different things. So that's why I was mentioning you could still have a PO to a vendor, terms and conditions, and then end up paying with the card. It sounds like it's at the discretion of the company to determine what their process will be and if P cards can be used for certain thresholds of goods and services that are being purchased. Correct, correct. I mean, and this is what makes it kind of challenging when we talk about commercial cards of any, of any sort, including P cards. It's just the fact that every organization is so different with its strategy, what they allow and don't allow, um, their procedures, their processes. Um, but you know, certainly to, to zero in on, on your favorite topic, I mean, I think organizations should really take another look at all the different benefits of P cards and that will help them you know, decide what's right for them. But the whole benefit of avoiding um, crowding or overcrowding uh, of the master vendor file is, is certainly one benefit. So I love the potential benefit of not having to set that vendor up in the vendor master file by paying that vendor with a P card. With the payment by P card, is the card issuer now responsible for distributing 1099s and filing with the IRS? Um, well, okay, so this is where things um, are often sort of misconstrued a bit. So let me explain that. Excuse me, there is 1099 reporting relief um, for um, domestic payments, and we're speaking at a federal level. So I can't address all the different um, state requirements and um, you know laws or, or whatever uh, surrounding 1099 reporting, but at a federal level, that is correct that you do get relief um, when you use a commercial card. Uh, 
So that is definitely a benefit. Um, where you had just mentioned that the, the card issuer, I think you said, does the reporting. Um, that's where people get confused. It's actually the merchant acquirers or processors. It, it's really what I would say would be the, sub, um, the suppliers or the vendors banks, um, if you will, related to card acceptance that end up doing 1099 reporting, um, not the card issuer of the end user organization. So hopefully that makes sense. It does. So it sounds like there may be relief at the federal level, such as with the IRS. However, we need to do some additional research to see what requirements are for state reporting when the payment method is P-card. Correct. Correct. I have to say, too, that, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a tax expert. Um, I don't work for the IRS. So I would encourage every organization to work with the appropriate parties on their side to ensure they understand the different rules and regulations on 1099 reporting. I can simply speak at a high level to say that absolutely commercial card solutions, including P-cards, are a way to reduce that federal 1099 um, reporting burden, um, but do go and, and turn to the appropriate um, experts to get the details on that. And that's great advice. Each organization should look at their payment methods and determine what their reporting liabilities are. And speaking of different payment methods and commercial cards, are there any other commercial cards that can be used as an alternative to setting up a vendor in the vendor master file? Oh, sure, sure. So if you think about a card, oh, let's even take a fleet card. Fleet cards, sometimes they're known as vehicle cards, are special commercial cards that um, are used for the payment of uh, fuel and maintenance for company-owned vehicles. So if, say, a driver for an organization goes and fills up that vehicle using a fleet card, you wouldn't turn around and set that service station or gas station up in the master vendor file because the expense was taken care of on the spot. It was paid via a card. And then I think, uh, you know, you want to bring virtual cards into the picture. So besides the traditional commercial card types, you know, a lot of people think of those as the plastic cards. You've got uh, the other side of the picture, things like virtual cards, which are very popular. And the thing with virtual cards is they support a traditional invoice-based process that's usually going through AP. So in these cases, an organization may or may not set up the applicable vendors in the master vendor file. Uh, it definitely could come down to not only just a, a philosophy, but the ERP or the accounting system that the organization is using. And while virtual cards typically do not streamline that purchase to pay process as much as P cards are able to do, they have a lot of inherent controls that make all types of fraud uh, very unlikely. So for example, um, when you think about just card fraud that you hear about that may uh, happen to us even as consumers, virtual cards really protect an organization because the payment is only going to the vendor um, that the organization um, you know, did business with, um, the vendor whom uh, sent an invoice that the organization took through its traditional or usual invoice um, approval process, uh, and, and then that virtual card is, um, is enabled for the vendor to make the payment on that card. So we have vendors that potentially don't have to be set up in the vendor master file, which means they are not gonna be submitting an invoice. 
What type of controls or oversight should there be over this PCART activity or these PCART payments to vendors? Are there reports that should be reviewed monthly, such as vendor spend or PCART activity? Well, I think it's a best practice to do that, to be honest. Um, So I'll even go back to my own experience. Um, We wouldn't always combine uh, the PCARD spend with, say, a check or ACH spend, but somebody within the procurement department was looking at PCARD spend on a monthly basis. And so we were able to see uh, the top vendors with whom we were using our uh, purchasing cards, our PCARDs, uh, we could sort it by a dollar, uh, dollar amount. We could sort it by number of transactions. And so uh, not only did that let us know, you know where our money was going and you know, with whom, um, it also highlighted when there was a drastic change. So for example, if you had a contract set up with a supplier and that contract said, yes, we're going to pay you with a P card, and then let's just say, there's a change in personnel, whether it be on the vendor side or even on the organization side. Let's say suddenly that vendor starts sending an invoice that ends up going through a check-based process within the organization. By having someone look at the P-card spend, not only on a monthly basis, but looking at it in aggregate, looking at it year to date, they can see any trends. So for example, if that switch in payment method occurs, they could see, wow, you know, every month this year, this vendor was paid with a P card. We had a lot of dollars, a lot of transactions, and now one month it just dips down. You know, it might be worth checking out what happened. You know, how, how did that vendor slip through the cracks and all of a sudden get paid with the check, which would mean they got set up in the master vendor file in order to do that. So there's a lot of value in looking at spend reports, whether you take the P card spend and combine it with the spend that AP is taking care of or not. Uh, It's just a best practice to take a look at that. Okay, so it sounds like there's some internal controls that can be implemented within an organization to control or at least have oversight over the usage of P cards. Well, sure, sure. And even in the example that I mentioned, you know, where a supplier or a vendor, you know, suddenly got changed from a P card to say a check, um, you know, there, there should be controls within AP. So before they set up a vendor in the master vendor file, they are verifying uh, whether or not that vendor should be paid through a card. And so that's just something organizations need to work out. Obviously, if they have um, technology or a robust ERP system to help um, keep track, if you will, uh, of how a vendor should be paid, that takes the guesswork out or it takes some of the human element out. But certainly before AP sets up a new vendor, they should go through a process on seeing if there was any um, type of of payment um, preference established from the beginning. So Lynn, how does an employee know when a P-card can be used versus a traditional process that goes through AP? Well, um, a lot of it comes down to training. I mean, certainly every organization should have robust P-card policies and procedures um, documented, you know, accessible to employees. Um, those employees uh, who are card holders, P-card holders, uh, should be trained prior to getting a card to begin with or, you know, after they apply. Um, they should go through training that, um, that centers on when to use a P-card, when to not. Uh, the P-card policies and procedures um, should talk about what's allowed, should talk about what's prohibited. 
Um, in many cases, um, organizations have uh, approved vendors or approved um, or preferred vendors um, that they want their employees to use. That can all be part of PCARD policies and procedures and the training that those, um, those folks go through. Now, uh, when it comes to how do they decide, you know, they, they should be very well-versed um, just based on the training. Um, but then again, if something slips through the cracks, if a department uh, makes a purchase with a vendor and gets, a, gets an invoice from that vendor and tries to send it to AP to be paid and, you know, AP looks at it and says, well, that should have been a P-card vendor. You know, this is where um, there needs to be uh, controls over on the AP side of the world. So AP could you know, push that invoice back to the department to have them put it on a P card. So I always think of it, um, you know, as procurement um, or the purchasing department, they're kind of like um, the initiators in all this. Um, if their role is, indeed is to um, go through vendor selection, vendor contracts, you know, competitive bidding and so forth, they might be the ones that establish a payment method up front. But when I think about AP, um, I, I look at them as the gatekeeper because you could have all the wonderful, con you know, the, all the wonderful contracts in the world that, that state P-card is the payment method, but unless employees are trained accordingly and unless AP um, is willing to support that, and, and again, taking advantage of technology whenever possible, uh, you know, functionality within an ERP system, for example, you know, things will slip through the cracks. And so it has to kind of, come full circle. You have to train the people that are using the cards so they know, you know what's what, when to use the card. Uh, you need some training elements even within the procurement and AP um, arenas so they know what their respective roles are related to the whole process and the payment strategy. And then finally, I also recommend that every organization has some type of payment policy. Now, it doesn't have to be a standalone policy, but something within their organization policies that um, direct employees, at least at a high level. So for example, maybe there is um, a purchasing policy out there uh, and the payment portion is part of that. It might just be a simple statement of our preferred payment method is a purchasing card. And if a vendor will not take a purchasing card, you know, do X, maybe that means the procurement department is reaching out to a, a particular vendor uh, to, to inquire about card acceptance. Um, but the policy could go on and say, well, you know, the next best option might be uh, doing an ACH um, payment, you know, uh, initiated by AP. And then further, only as a last resort, will the organization make a check payment? And, and so it's a very long answer to your question, but you really have to look at how people are trained and, you know, the, the de level of detail within policies and procedures. So Lynn, what type of reconciliation is required with PCARD activity? Well, a big part of it, well, there's two parts to it, really. Um, first, um, cardholders are typically responsible for reviewing the transactions that have posted to their card. And much like we do as consumers, where we're able to go online to our bank's website, cardholders would do the same thing there'd be some sort of technology that they'd be using, whether it be the card issuers technology, or sometimes they're even using the organization's ERP system, uh, which has been uploaded to, uh, with the transaction information. So cardholders should be going out to the designated location, reviewing their transactions. Uh, you know, and a big part of that too, you know, cardholders are the first line of defense against external fraud. 
So they need to look things over to make sure that all the posted transactions are indeed uh, things that they have initiated and the dollar amount is what they expected and, and so forth. And, and to ensure that the goods and services were received. So they are reconciling in, in that manner. Um, they may also be applying budget codes or accounting codes to those transactions that ultimately get uploaded into the designated financial um, component or module for the organization. And you know, uh, one thing to streamline that process would be if um, an organization were to apply default accounting codes um, by cardholder. So that maybe uh, you know cardholders aren't having to enter you know a bunch of codes for every transaction every time. They might have some defaults and, and only have to you know do some um, data entry um, if a transaction needs different codes than what those defaults are. So that's that's part one. That's a big part. Well, then the second part would be uh, some involvement or oversight by the cardholders manager or whomever is designated as um, what I call the reviewer or the approver. Um, someone should be also taking a peek at cardholders' transactions, and they're acting as the first line of defense against internal fraud. So when, I'll just use the term manager, when a manager is looking at a cardholder's activity uh, and signing off on it, and when I say signing off, I, I mean electronically um, in, in a designated way, um, trying to avoid paper here, but what the manager is saying um, is that, yes, all these transactions are legitimate business purchases. You know, they're with um, the correct vendors. They have followed the organization's policies and procedures. So really, you know, those two components, the cardholders, initial review, as well as oversight by a manager, would constitute um, a reconciliation process, if you will. AP makes um, one monthly payment to the card issuer instead of hundreds of payments to many different vendors, uh, you know, that when they make that payment, you know, the organization is legally um, obligated or contractually obligated, I should say, to pay their card issuer in full every month. And so, um, you know, the best practice or really the only way to go is to pay that bill on time, whatever the contract says. An organization should not sit there and wait for all their cardholders to do their reconciliation process before they, AP, turn around and pay the card issuer. AP should just be paying that card issuer. If there are any issues with transactions um, you know, that cardholders have identified as part of their review reconciliation, those would get handled um, separately. Um, if it comes down to it, the cardholder might um, uh, end up having to initiate a dispute process through the card issuer. But even prior to that, just if there's any issue with the transaction, you know, cardholders should be trying to work it out with the vendor, um, providing that they know who the vendor is and, and have some kind of connection there. They should be working out minor problems with the vendor and only as a last resort go through a, a formal dispute. But all that reconciliation you know, with the P-Card is really happening at the department level. And AP should just be focused on verifying the accuracy of that big central bill from the card issuer. You know, just comparing, um, you know, say a report total or a transaction total from one source to the bill as a second source. You know, they, they match all that up and they just, you know, confirm that the totals match. They can go ahead and make their payment. I did hear a couple of efficiencies in there, one of which is a big pain point for AP is GL coding or budget coding. Um, did you say that you can actually add budget coding by employee that a card is issued to? 
Uh, yes, um, you know, organizations should definitely look into the functionality, you know, with their card issuers or with the systems or technology they're using. Um, but generally speaking, they should be able to, you know, just apply default codes so that as transactions post to a cardholder's P-card, um, they actually you know, come with budget coding, so to speak, that's automatically applied. Then the cardholder would just need to, you know, do a cursory review to make sure those are the right budget codes and, you know, just change it as needed, um, depending on what was purchased. And that is a big efficiency, especially for those non-PO purchases. Right. Lynn, you have provided a lot of great information. Can you sum up the benefits of P-Card usage? Sure, sure. You know, I've been sort of focused here on the process savings, you know, that being, uh, you know, you, you put cards in the hands of employees to buy what, um, what they need, what the departments need, you know, directly from vendors. Um, so that does result in process savings, and it typically results in a shorter procurement cycle time. You know, if they're not having to go through procurement, not having to do a, a purchase order process, they can get what they need more quickly. So a lot of it has to do with the purchase, um, purchase to pay process savings and just the quickness and so forth. Now, I alluded to this as well, that, you know, while this is happening, you might then be able to um, redirect the staff uh, within procurement as well as AP um, to other more value-added activities. You know, if procurement is not rubber stamping purchase orders and pushing them down a chain, they can focus on maybe contract negotiations, vendor selection. Similarly, if AP um, has a reduction of invoices to pay because uh, P-cards are being used, they can um, look to do um, other things like maybe um, travel expense management. Uh, so that's another um, big win for an organization. Um, it could make employees more happy uh, just because they are able to purchase what they need more quickly. Um, you alluded to spend data. Um, it's the availability of that data that helps an organization, um, you know, look at opportunities for maybe some strategic sourcing uh, if they see who they're spending their money with. Uh, and we mentioned 1099 reporting at a federal level a little bit for domestic payments. And then finally, what um, didn't come up would be the potential in most cases for some revenue share, which um, also is known as rebate. So to find out more about any one of these benefits, you know, again, that's where um, you can check out my website and, and there's more information out there. And that website is recharged-education.com. And I want to thank Lynn for being a guest on the Putting the AP in Happy podcast. She provided some great insight, information, and resources that each of you can use to determine if the P-Card payment method can eliminate the need to set up a vendor in the vendor master file for your organization. And I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed the 12th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links to the blog post, why you may need a manual vendor process with your vendor portal, along with the link to Lynn's website to learn more about the P-Card and other commercial cards. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Stay happy. 